Welcome back to Torah Imachanach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Mrs. Michal Horowitz. Today we will continue our study of Sefer Tehillim, Perak Yudalit. Here we go, chapter 14, introduction, the Steinzelt Ktuvim. This is a psalm that contemplates the wicked of the world, who, lacking belief in God, are not afraid of him, but rather go about their evil ways until the world is full of wrongdoing. The psalmist beseeches God for salvation in his time of trouble. The capital begins, David, for the conductor to David, Amar Navo Belibo, the scoundrel, the mean, the arrogant man says in his heart, Ain Elohim, there is no God. The scoundrel denies God. I thought that it was very, very interesting that Navo, the world scoundrel, Nun Bet Lamed, read backwards, spells Lavan. You know that there are no accidents in Lashon Kodesh. It's something I stress all the time in my teaching. We have one such scoundrel in Sefer Bereshis, who we mention, of course, in the Haggadah Shal Pesach, Lavan Bikesh Akra Sakal, Arami Oved Avi Vayerid Mitzrayma, who is Arami Oved Avi Nermein, wanted to destroy my forefather. Lavan Bikesh Akra Sakal, Lavan wanted to uproot everything. When he chases after Yaakov, when Yaakov leaves after 20 years, he says, Habanos Benosai, Habanim Banai, Vahatson, Sonni, Vahasha, Atara, Alihu, at the end of Paraklam at Aleph. Lavan catches up with Lavan, he says, The daughters are my daughters, the sons are my sons, the flocks are my flocks, everything you have is mine. Salvechik teaches that Lavan proves the hatred of the Jew can reach psychopathic proportions in the book um, Festival of Freedom, Days of Deliverance, that he was willing, Lavan, to destroy his own family if it meant destroying Yaakov Avinu and his belief in one God. I just thought that that was very interesting here that the wicked, the scoundrels, described as a novel, which read backwards, reads Lavan, and perhaps Lavan is a perfect example of one such scoundrel who says in his heart, there is no God. David to the conductor to David, Amar Navo Belibo, the scoundrel says in his heart, Ainalokim, there is no God. He totally denies the existence of the Almighty God. He shchisu, he sivu alila, ain osetov. They have been corrupted, he shchisu, like hashrasad, destroyed. He sivu, they have acted as an abomination. Alila, ain osetov. He sivu alila, they have acted with an abomination. Ain osetov, there is no one who does good. Hashem mishamayim hishkif al bnei adam. Liros hayesh maskil. Hashem gazes down from heaven. It's interesting because gazes, hashkafa, kol hashkafa shabamikra, um, Rashi tells us in Perikirchas when the Malachim come to visit Avram by Yishkifu Mishama Anashima Pneistam and Amara, and the Malachim leave the tent of Avram in chapter 18 of Bereshus. It says when they leave, they gaze upon the tents of Stam and Amara, and Rashi makes a point of saying that Kal Hashkafa Shabamikra Lara. Every time he uses the word Hishkif, Hashkafa, Shin, Kuf, Pesofis in the uh, scriptures, it is for bad, it is for destruction, except for one time, and it's about giving tzedakah. But in general, there's a Klal, and Hashkafa is for bad. So it's interesting here that Hashem Mishamayim Hishkif al Adam. What we're really asking is that Hashem should gaze down from the heavens, but this gazing is a gazing for destruction. Hashem should gaze down and destroy the wicked. God will look down. Is there anyone of understanding? Is there anyone who left who seeks out God? And then the psalmist says, no. They have all turned together. All of them together are befouled. There's no one who does any good. There's not even one. Just like in the towns of Sodom and Amorah, the Malachim they gazed upon Sodom and Amorah for destruction. There was not even one who did good. And God gazes down from the heaven to destroy evil. And he sees, is there anyone who is righteous left? Hello, Yodu, Kol, Pol, Alei, Oven. 
Do not all the evildoers know? Hello, y'all do. Do they all not know? Kol Paul Evan, those who do acts of iniquity and evil. Ochlei ami. They eat my nation. Achlu lachem. As if they eat bread. Hashem lo karau. They do not call out in the name of God. So we see here the, the absolute cruelty of the enemy who consumes Israel like, like one consumes bread. Again, interesting that novel backwards is Lavan because Lavan wanted to destroy Amisha before we even got a start. And then the psalmist continues, Pasuke, I'm sorry. Sham pachadu pachad. For they, all the people of the generations, are in great fear. Ki elokim bedart sadik. Because God is with the righteous in the righteous generation. Steinsatz Ketuvim points out, in a generation that is not righteous, no one feels that God's salvation is imminent. And if you do not feel God's salvation is imminent, then a double lashon of pachad. There's a great trembling. There's a great fear because Hashem is with the generation of the righteous. But what happens if there are no righteous in the generation? We saw them in the time of Noah. They're all destroyed. We saw it in the time of Sam and Amorah. The cities of the plain were destroyed. Pasukvav, atzatz anim, I'm sorry, atzatz ani. Tavishu, you the wicked despise, shame the counsel of the poor. Atzatz ani, the counsel, the 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 advice, the thoughts of the poor. Tavishu, you despise. Ki Hashem machseyu. Why do the wicked hate the poor? Because the poor put their trust and their faith in God. And we don't necessarily mean physically, monetarily, economically poor people, but in the eyes of the world, the poor are the downtrodden. And here the downtrodden put their hope in God. The wretched are bereft and they trust in God as their refuge. And so it is the wicked who hate them. But then, interestingly, like the last capital, David HaMelech ends on a great... Um, Note of hope, Pasuk Zayin. Me tain mitzion Yisroas Yisrael b'shuv Hashem shvurt amo yagel Yaakov yismach Yisrael. It's so beautiful. Me tain mitzion Yisroas Yisrael. Who will give? Who will see that will emerge from Zion the salvation of Israel? B'shuv Hashem when God returns shvurt amo the captivity of His nation. Very reminiscent, chapter one twenty six. Shira Mas b'shuv Hashem eshivatzi and ayinu kachamim yagel Yaakov. Yaakov will exult. Yismach Yisrael. Israel will rejoice. So even though it is a capital that talks about the ways of the wicked and everyone forgetting God, there's not even one righteous left on earth. The wicked consuming Hashem's nation like they consume bread. Nevertheless, ultimately, we know there will be salvation and redemption. So hopeful. The salvation of Israel will come from Zion. When God returns the captivity of his people, what will happen in the end of days? Yaakov will exalt. Israel will rejoice. There is no connection between Pasuk Yadalad, and at least no connection that I know of, um, to Tefillah. I would like to, based on this last Pasuk, quote from the very great Miriam Peretz, Shatechia, in the book Miriam's Song, the story of Miriam Peretz. If you've not read this, I highly recommend it. I ordered mine on Amazon a number of years ago. I'm sure you could get yours there as well. The story of Miriam Peretz, Miriam's Song. For those who do not know Miriam Peretz, the winner of the Israel Prize a number of years ago on Yama Utzmut, is a bereaved mother. She lost two sons in the IDF. Her son, Uriel, actually, her eldest son, Uriel, fell at the age of 22 in 1998 in the north and then her son Eli Raz fell in 2010 at the age of um, 31 in the Gaza Strip. Her sons are buried on her Herzl a few meters apart when I went with my family in the summer of 2019 we took a private tour of um, if you could call it that I'm not sure what to call it a different crime on her Herzl and I stood at the um, grave of the parrot's boys. 
So the last pasuk, the point of departure for this next part of the shir, is the last pasuk of pasuk Perak Yodalad, Mi Tein Mitzian Yeshua Sisra B'Shuv Hashem Shvur Amal Yagel Yaakov Yismach Israel. Miriam Peretz recalls the days of her childhood. In Casablanca, we waited a long time for the journey to Israel. Inside, I felt like I was vacillating between sadness and joy. The Holy Land was like a hazy dream in my mind. A separation from home, from the land of my birth, was real. If we had suffered from expressions of anti-Semitism, I think it might have been easier for us to leave Casablanca. But such incidents were rare. Our daily routine was simple and pleasant. Grandfather was the only one who spoke of Jerusalem. Morocco, Grandfather said, is not ours. Jerusalem is Dialana, ours. He always said Dialna in Arabic. One day in 1963, I came in from school. I saw a giant crate that filled the entire room. I needed no explanation. I understood the day of our departure was approaching. Mother filled the crate with blankets and clothing. I wanted to take one item that would remind me of my childhood I was about to leave behind. I stuffed my school bag and notebooks into the crate. When we finally reached Israel and received the crate, I pulled out my school bag. I flipped through the notebooks, but I didn't feel disconnected or uprooted anymore. The notebooks were solid proof of the life we left behind, which would never return. The evening after we packed the crate, after dark, Father announced, we will leave tonight. We waited until the neighbors went to bed. We went to the courtyard in front of the house, walking on tiptoes. Mother spread a blanket over us, but we couldn't sleep. Soon, they will come get us, Father whispered, soon. I just stared at the silent alley with wide open eyes. My ears were cocked waiting to hear footsteps. We waited tensely in the thick darkness. I felt prickling all over my body like knives. Two men came into the alley. They held out their hands to us. They led us to the entranceway from there to a bend in the road where we saw a truck waiting, packed with people. I heard someone calling my mother's name. It was her sister, Alia. She hugged and kissed us all goodbye and promised to join us soon. Two months later, she indeed fulfilled her promise. In the middle of the night, we boarded a boat it took us to a transit cap in Gibraltar. It looked like a military base with dozens of bunks that housed our group of 400 Jews. The Jewish agency cared for us with devotion. I had my own bed, and we were given as much to eat as we wanted. I do not recall how long we were there. The days turned into weeks in the transit camp in Gibraltar. I lost track of time. Then a second boat took us on a longer voyage and that longer voyage than the first, and brought us to Naples. Miriam writes anecdotally, many years later, I went to a medical clinic in the Ramat Eshkol neighborhood of Jerusalem for an x-ray. The Romanian x-ray technician looked at my identity card, and he said, according to the number, I got off the same boat just before you. In Naples, they took us to a hotel. My brother, Machluf, had rubella, so he was sent to quarantine. Look, but our ancestors went through, and this isn't even our ancestors of hundreds of years ago, We're talking about in the 1900s, just to get to Eretz Israel. But we today can hop on an airplane and be there in a few hours with such ease. Of course, this is the days before Nefesh Nefesh. My mother stayed with him far away from us in a room in the basement. We weren't allowed to go there. Every morning I stood in line for the breakfast and brought them a plate of food, which I sat outside the quarantine room. In Naples, they gave us butter, a taste I will never forget. What a treat. To this day, I have a weakness for butter. During the third voyage with Israel as our final destination, Casablanca to Gibraltar, Gibraltar to Naples, and now Naples to Israel, 
During the third voyage, with Israel as our final destination, I wore a red dress. All the travels wore red. The sea was stormy. We believed the bold red color would calm the waves. We gathered on deck. I saw people crying and praying. I was afraid. Why had we left Casablanca? Only to be swallowed up by the sea? Pray, Father told me, and I prayed. Until the sea's anger abated. On the distant horizon, he caught a glimpse of land. Haifa. The boat shook with cries of joy. Endless ululations. Mother covered her hair with a colorful embroidered Moroccan scarf. Father disembarked in his elegant jalabiyah. He was standing straight, his head held high as he descended the boat and stepped onto the holy land. Then suddenly I saw him fall. Father, what's wrong? And I saw my father wasn't the only one lying down. All the men were bowing, bending, lying flat on the ground, kissing. Father, what are you kissing? I am kissing the earth of the holy land, father exclaimed. Dialna. It is ours, he said in Arabic. His voice choked with emotion. I thank you for learning with me. Thank you so much. I wish you a wonderful day. Call Tov. And I look forward to continuing our learning tomorrow.